Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 62. Glad you could join us. Today, Bonnie is joined by Darren Jones. As a product of homeschooling himself, now Mr. Jones is dedicated to helping homeschoolers in one of the most fundamental aspects of educational freedom in our country, namely the legal system. We are so glad he took the time to visit with us, and we are sure you'll appreciate what he has to offer. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And I'm Jordan. As a product of homeschooling, I'm proud to teach Greek and Latin for Colby online and serve as the alumni and public relations director. Today I'm joined by Darren Jones, Senior Counsel and Director of Group Services for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, commonly referred to around here as the HSLDA. We've mentioned them on a number of recordings, and so I'm very happy to have him here to talk with me today. Welcome, Mr. Jones, to the Colby Cast. Thank you very much. I am delighted to be here. I would like to start by giving the listeners some background about you and your connections to this homeschooling community. Would you tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to be an expert in laws pertaining to homeschooling? Okay. So I was born in Nova Scotia and then grew up in New Hampshire. And I can remember my dad talking to us probably when I was in third or fourth grade about how he thought homeschooling might be an interesting idea. Okay. Now, my mom was a, a public school teacher and then a private school teacher. Uh, she took some time off when us kids were young, uh, but she was not interested in homeschooling. She kept saying, look, I'm a classroom teacher. And so I grew up going to public school. And then in middle school, we went to a small Christian school. And then I convinced my parents in ninth grade, I wanted to go back to public school. And they said, all right. And those two years of public school, well, it was kind of up and down. There were some good parts to it, mostly the teachers. There were some bad parts to it, mostly the other kids. And also the fact that I went from a class of about, say, five to eight students to a school of 1,400 students. Oh. So it was really kind of a culture shock. Oh. Then when I was in 10th grade, my church actually did a panel discussion for parents on how do you raise Christian kids. Uh, this was um, 1989, I guess. And my parents let me play hooky from school uh, <laughs> to sit in on these panel discussions one afternoon. And so they had some parents get up front and talk about, here is how we have led our children to Jesus, and they're going to public school. And the next ones, well, we think that the way God is leading us is Christian school. And so they'd talk about the benefits of Christian schooling. And then some parents got up and said, well, the way actually we've decided to raise Christian kids is to teach them at home. And here's how we've gone about it. And I went home and told my folks, I want that for me. Can you please homeschool me? Now, by this time, I only had two years left. And mom and dad said, all right, um, we'll go ahead and do that. But you do realize you're going to have to do a lot of this independently on your own. Okay. All right. So uh, we did homeschooling for two years and it went great. It was really a fantastic opportunity. I blossomed. I got to interact with adults on their own level. I got to learn lots of interesting things. It was really a great experience. And so 
after I graduated and went to college and such, uh, I ended up working for a Christian human rights organization uh, for a year in the mid-90s, and then came to work here at Homeschool Legal Defense. Uh, I was a legal assistant at the time. And you asked how I became an expert in homeschool law. Well, (laughs) for the first two weeks of that job, I was put in a room with a big binder and told, all right, you are going to be helping people from 19 different states with the homeschool laws. Here's the information you need to know. Basically take a week to kind of look through it and then take a week to listen to someone talking on the phones to these people. And then there will be quizzes and tests. And then you'll start talking to people and helping them figure out what the law is in their state. And it was a blast. Um, (laughs) I was in law school at the time. I actually went to law school under a California program, which allows you to do law school through correspondence school. So I was working in a law firm at day, giving people advice and running to my lawyer every day, you know, how do I deal with this one? This is a new one. What about this? And then I would go home at night and do normal law school study. It was great. So I worked here as a legal assistant for four years, uh, took the bar exam and passed it, and then applied for a job as a lawyer. And that was in 2000. So I've been here at HSLDA. I just passed my 25th anniversary three weeks ago. Wow. Awesome place to work. So yeah, that's it. I, I tell people, actually, I give talks sometimes on, uh, you know, I was in public school, private school, homeschool. Here's why my wife and I chose homeschooling for our kids. Um, I'm a big homeschool advocate. I think it's a wonderful way to educate your kids. Perfect person for us to be talking to today. We've referenced your organization a number of times in our previous episodes as a resource for homeschooling families, for new Colby families. For longtime Colby families, since Colby families are all over the world, we're talking about families in the United States making use of your services and like to hear more about those. We definitely want to get the scoop, especially here at the beginning of this school year, on legal considerations for families to be keeping in mind, considering that the homeschooling laws really vary quite widely state to state. People refer to some states as being quite homeschool friendly, so to speak, and others have quite a number of things to keep track of and and reporting and all kinds of things. So with this variability, Mr. Jones, could you describe the importance of knowing and following the homeschool laws in one state? Okay. Well, obviously there's the very practical consideration. And since I am a proud Gen Xer, I pride myself in being practical and pragmatic. (laughs) Um, You want to stay out of legal trouble. I mean, (laughs) besides which I'm a lawyer and I generally counsel people, they should obey the law. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of the, the starting uh, base. But then also there is the part of, well, then you need to see whether that actually fits with what your conscience is saying. And um, I've talked with very few people who've actually had conscientious objections uh, to their state's homeschool law, but I have talked with some. So if your listeners wanted to call and talk with us about that, I certainly could. But okay. that's a very small subset. Just talking basically, you can find the laws for your state very easily. We've got a website. If you go to hslda.org legal, we've got a nice map there. You can just click on your state. States range 
all over the place. So you have some states like, for instance, um, Michigan or Texas or Oklahoma, where you just teach your kids. And there are certain subjects that you have to teach, but it's your right as a parent to homeschool them. And the state just takes a pretty hands-off approach, you know, as long as you're not neglecting your kids. And then, for example, you have states where you have to report maybe once a year or every year, uh, or maybe just once at the beginning. For example, California. Um, you're required there to file with the California Department of Education every October that either you have your own little private school in your house, which might be just one family, or maybe that you are with some sort of umbrella school. And of course, since Colby's located in California, that's probably the one most of your listeners are going to be going with if they're in California. Okay. Then there's the states that have a little more regulation. For example, here in Virginia, where I live, at the beginning of the year, I just last week sent in a notice of intent to our superintendent saying, I'm going to be homeschooling two kids now. We're down from four to two. And here are these subjects that we're going to be teaching and a little bit about them. So I don't just say, you know, I'm teaching math. I say, this child is going to be doing algebra two, and this child is going to be doing Saxon eight, seven for math. Okay. Um, and then at the end of the year, you have to submit some sort of evaluation. I usually do standardized testing. It's usually the easiest one. I just test the kids around the NMA or beginning of June every year send that into the superintendent uh, sometime during the summer. And then there are other states like New York. And New York, I'm sorry if you live in New York, it's probably a wonderful state, but the <laughs> homeschool laws are stuck back in 1988. Literally, that's when they were adopted. Okay. They require report cards every single quarter. You have mm -hmm. to report to the superintendent what you've done for school in the last quarter. Every year you have to do an assessment, and there are some pretty complex rules about who's allowed to give the tests and when it has to be tests and when it can be an evaluation by a certified teacher. We do a lot of talking on the phone with people from New York and answering their questions. Sure, I bet. But yeah. it's important because you want to make sure that you can just go ahead and homeschool your kids and you're not being bothered by letters from the school. You forgot to do this. What about this? You missed your deadline. Mm -hmm. That's often where HSLDA comes in and you know, we can kind of take that off families and respond to the school district on your behalf saying, no, no, they're fine. Go away. Leave them alone. <laughs> that that's actually kind of the fun of working here is we get to help families homeschool their kids. I, I really like that. It's not all that we do, of course, but sure. that's kind of why we were founded back in the eighties. Okay. So we call this doing our due diligence so that we do some proactive work and avoid unnecessary difficulties later. A lot of things can be avoided with some attention at the outset to, to make sure that certain ducks are in a row um, from the beginning. Right? right. And that's one of the things that we help with. If you go click on your state, if it's a state that requires a notice, which most of them require something, we actually have the forms there for you. If you're a member with us, you just click on it, you fill out the PDF, you can mail it in or email it in. Again, it's our job to help you take care of the legal stuff so you can get on with the fun part, teaching your kids. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> well, and there's so much to be thinking about right now, especially at this time of the year, as people are getting their school years off the ground. And we've got, you know, curriculum and we've got 
activities and we've got all these things, but these legal considerations need to be tended to at the same time so that all the rest of that can continue in an upward trend and stay on track, right? We've, As we've mentioned before, enrolled Colby families receive a discount when they join HSLDA. Yes, they do get a discount. Ordinarily, it costs $125 a year to join HSLDA. Colby families get it for only 110. Okay. We think that's a good way to try and help groups like Colby that are helping homeschoolers. Mm-hmm, definitely. And it's one of those proactive measures. What are some of the other ways that HSLDA can help Colby families? Okay. So let me talk about four different ways. Okay. Uh, first is, I mean, why we were founded, it's right in our name, it's legal defense. If your homeschool program is ever challenged by uh, the local school or by Child Protective Services claiming that you are educationally neglecting your kids, Mm -hmm. that's where we provide legal services to our members in court. And I actually am one of the attorneys in the litigation department. There are Mm -hmm. four of us. Um, So... I work in courts around the country. Um, I I tend to do some of the benefits ones. So for example, if let's say your child turns 18 and they have been getting some social security benefits because a parent died or was disabled or maybe child support because of a divorce situation. Mm -hmm. um, I've been in a number of courts all over the country explaining, yes, even though the kid is 18, she is still a student because she's being homeschooled. See these cases or this law or this argument for why that's the case. So that's one. We provide legal services for homeschool programs like that. A second one where we help families is we have what we call our consultant department. And so let's say you're just starting homeschooling and you've got a preschooler and you want to talk you know, maybe doing a kindergarten at home or first grade or something like that. We actually have our early years consultants who will take half an hour, an hour with you to discuss, well, here's some different options of what you can do. I've actually used this one for our high school consultants because uh, for me, going up through middle school, I enjoyed choosing curriculum. I knew basically what was out there and what I wanted to do. And then the kids hit high school. And it was like, <laughs> wow, there's a whole lot of stuff out there. So, for example, just this last spring, um, I contacted one of our high school consultants, said, my daughter is going into 10th grade. She wants to do a biology class. I don't like the one that I used with the older two kids for these mm-hmm. reasons. Please mm-hmm. find me one that is not like this. And she sent me like seven different ones to check out. And so now we're signed up with one of those. That's a service that's only for our members. I get to take advantage of it because I'm a lawyer here. I love it. <laughs> so that's that's two things. Legal services, consultants. A third one is we keep track of what's going on legislatively at the federal level and at the state level. Mostly stuff at the federal level doesn't affect homeschoolers all that much because, you know, the way that we're set up as a government, the federal government has very little to do with private education. Uh, But every once in a while, something comes up. For example, we were able back in the late 90s and early 2000s to help fight discrimination against homeschool graduates going into the military. And now that problem is, I would describe as mostly solved. Uh, If you graduate from homeschool and you present the proper paperwork, which we can help you do, you get into the military. Uh, So 
we keep track of laws at, at state level that would make homeschooling uh, more regulated or that would improve the regulatory climate for families. And we let people know, here's what's going on. And then our fourth, and this one is kind of the fun one. This one, actually, you don't have to be an HSLDA member to do, but this is what we call HSLDA Compassion. It's our charitable arm. And we have a whole bunch of very generous homeschoolers who have given money to HSLDA to distribute to families who, for example, um, lost their curriculum in a flood or whose mm-hmm. house burned down and now they need to buy all that curriculum. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just a grant because they need to pay the rent this month. And so mm-hmm. we can do a compassion grant for that. Or maybe it's a homeschool group who wants to expand, but they're going to need more money to rent a bigger place because of all the homeschoolers who are coming in nowadays. Great. And so yeah. compassion can help fund those. That's the fun one. When I when I start seeing those, I really like the fact that we can help homeschool families and groups in trouble. I, I really love that part. That's wonderful. One of the fun things that I've gotten to do several Christmases is through the year, we often send gifts to widows or widowers whose spouses have died during the year. Mm-hmm as just kind of a, you know, if you want to keep homeschooling, here's some money to help with with that. And then at Christmas time, a number of years, we have had the privilege of then sending those families a fairly substantial check to help them through Christmas. And we get to go down and uh, hand sign all the cards and put a note in them. And we're sending out, I think, usually about 250, 300 a year or so. And it's so much fun because we're sending, you know, literally sometimes uh, six, $700 out to this family. Merry Christmas. May God bless this for your family. We can't do that because HSLDA doesn't, you know, make the money. That's the generosity of the homeschool community. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it is so much fun. So many great things happening at HSLDA and that you have a number of other workshops and courses and things to help with the standardized testing. If sorting out how homeschoolers can take standardized testing is a bit of a challenge, depending on where, where we live, <laughs> it can be. Some things are easier in some states and some things are much more challenging within those same states. So it might be very homeschool friendly in some ways and in other ways not. (laughs) Yes. For example, Pennsylvania. Um, The law in Pennsylvania is fairly paperwork intensive. There's papers that you have to keep through the year and you have to do an evaluation, have someone look over your shoulder at the end of the year. But the attitude of Pennsylvania is generally quite friendly to homeschooling. Washington state is the same way. Uh, There's a fair amount of paperwork, but the attitude of even the state education department toward homeschooling is, hey, you know, homeschooling's great. And then you have other states where, for example, Florida, often the laws are, they're middling. Uh, You can, for example, join up with a covering school and not really have any contact with the government. But there are a number of counties in Florida who just plain don't like homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And so it can be kind of tough for families living there. 
you had mentioned as far as the testing, yes, that's requirement in a number of states. And so well, actually what we normally recommend people do for finding testers is talk with your state homeschool organization. Okay. Because every state has at least one state homeschool organization. Uh, a number of them have several. Mm -hmm. And they often will keep track of here are certified teachers or retired homeschool parents uh, who are willing to administer standardized tests. And so mm -hmm. that's one of those useful things. Part of my job here at HSLDA is dealing with groups, local groups, state groups, trying to help improve relations between the homeschool community and how the groups work together and mm -hmm. give ideas and suggestions. And one thing that I constantly tell new homeschoolers is there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger homeschooler. <laughs> you really need to be doing this in community. And so you know, for your listeners, you've got Colby, who's helping you with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. You also should check out the state organization. Maybe there's a co-op nearby where your kids would enjoy taking a class or doing a field trip or having a park day. One co-op that my family was involved in for a while, we called it the Hangout Co-op. Yeah. They rented a community center with a gym and you went and maybe sometimes you did experiment with dry ice or you just ran around the gym or you listened to someone recite poetry and then helped write some poetry together. Things like that are really important for homeschool families. And I, I can't stress enough, mm -hmm. join in those communities. I was going to ask you about that. I, there are so many ways that we can participate. It seems like there are more and more opportunities all the time. Oh, yes. So this is one thing, actually, when our family started homeschooling, meaning when I was one of the students, okay. we actually got involved with a co-op right away. Remember, my mom was a teacher. And so when we started homeschooling, she figured, oh, well, then I can help other families who are homeschooling. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, once uh, one afternoon a week, we would get together and I can remember mom would teach a geography class and then later on she did public speaking. And then we had one of the dads who was a mechanical engineer teach us basic drafting wow. with, and I thought that was a blast. And then we had a college student nearby who taught a class on uh, great battles. And because he had grown up in England, England won all the battles we studied. It was kind of a coincidence. <laughs> But things like this, they can just be a lot of fun. But as you say, now there's more stuff. So nowadays, my kids, we've done in-person co-op several times, but there's also online stuff that they can do. So besides classes, which I'll talk about in just a minute, my son last year did an online class through a, a program that went for six weeks. And every week they'd get together and kind of play a game together and then discuss how that game went and some of the fixes that could be made. And he loved it because he loves changing rules for games and he wants to go into game design. <laughs> sure. Both my older son and my daughter have online chat groups that they're involved in uh, that they've met through homeschooling. And then there's the classes. So this year, my daughter is doing a math class through HSLDA. We actually have an, an online academy with about like 40 classes. Mm -hmm. And then she's taking a biology class somewhere else. And she's doing a American Sign Language class through a different homeschool co-op in person. Mm -hmm. And then a, a choir. She's our social butterfly. She, she needs all that interaction. She's a busy girl. Mm -hmm. But there's so much out there for, for homeschoolers. And especially with last year being the COVID pandemic, a whole lot of people, kind of like my mom, honestly, who were the 
newly retired teachers, or maybe now they had some extra time, they started looking around and saying, wow, a whole bunch of parents are willing to pay for my skill set. I can do this. And so you have all of these companies and nonprofits springing up who can really be helpful to homeschoolers. So the joke has always been since the early 90s, it should be called van schooling, not homeschooling because you're driving around all. (laughs) Well, now, honestly, I think it's to some extent internet schooling. Mm -hmm. Classes can be done online and your your kid can be right there and you can be watching over their shoulder and as has happened with us assisting them in emotional fallout from some of the stuff that comes when you get communities like that yes but hey i i mean in case you can't tell i'm a real homeschool fan it's worked for our family and i am just so excited with all the new opportunities that homeschool families get i think it's great Oh, sure. Isn't that one of the jokes that the homeschoolers are never home, right? They're always out doing something. (laughs) Absolutely the truth. The parents who are homeschooling have so many different skill sets that they can offer different areas of expertise that we can share with our children and the children in our communities. That's a great way to accomplish so much. And and yeah, the the homeschooling moniker seems to be less applicable all the time, doesn't it? (laughs) It really does. And one of my jobs, again, is talking with homeschool groups. And so for the last 18 months or so, a lot of my job has been talking with these new groups who want to do new things. And it it used to be in most states, there was public school and private school and homeschool. And then the charter schools came in and they, they're technically public, but sometimes they look more private and sometimes they look more homeschool. Right. And nowadays it's just like, I want my child to be educated. And there's this entire gray area out there of, you know, it's not public and it's not a private school and it's not technically homeschooling. What do we call it? Uh, I've seen micro schools, homeschool pods, neighborhood homeschools. I think it's fantastic because it's a way to individualize education to your child's needs. And that, to me, has always been one of the reasons why my wife and I homeschool, is to fit our children's individual needs. Well, sure. It certainly seems to be one of the bright sides to have come out of this pandemic experience. So there's the importance of joining these homeschool groups or forming them. That's kind of one of the go-to suggestions, right? If you don't, if there isn't a group in your area, why don't you start one, which can be kind of daunting to those of us. Some of us are, I guess, more inclined to do that than others. <laughs> but there's a lot of mutual support out there for families living the homeschool life by by forming groups, joining groups. Yeah. And that too is something that if someone decides they want to start a homeschool group, that's part of my job here at HSLDA. In fact, I've already talked with three people earlier today uh, who are thinking of starting up a homeschool group. And so we looked at the homeschool law in their state and what that would require. And we looked at other things like zoning and fire code. And Mm. then do you want to do it as a for-profit or a non-profit? Um, I have kind of a whole about half hour talk that I give to people about this if they're thinking about it. So Mm -hmm. if your listeners are in the position, there isn't a group near me, I want to start one. I would be very, very happy if they got in touch with us. That's not something you have to be a member with. In fact, most of my day is speaking with people who aren't HSLDA members because I'm talking with 
people who want to start new groups or who are already running groups and have questions. And it's really, really fun because I get to talk with groups from all over the country. And it is amazing to see what all sorts of different stuff they do. I've talked with groups that focus on uh, STEM for homeschoolers with the, the science and math angle, which is great. God bless them. That's not me. Uh, and then I've talked with others who are, they focus on the arts with the drama team and they have a full orchestra. I was talking with one in Baltimore recently where their homeschool choir has been invited to sing in the cathedral in Baltimore several times. Wow. I've talked with some where they really focus on high level classes. Uh, there was one up in Pennsylvania where where basically your 11th and 12th grade year was pretty much spent doing AP stuff. Mm -hmm. So homeschool groups have such flexibility mm -hmm. to meet the needs of the homeschoolers around them and that homeschoolers around them due to the increase of internet classes now sometimes means homeschoolers all over the place. Sure, sure. Well, in our show notes for this episode, we'll be sure to put a link to HSLDA's website and an email address for how to reach out to Mr. Jones for people who are interested in forming groups and moving forward with all sorts of great ideas that are coming to mind as they're listening to this episode or that have been coming to mind here recently. So, Mr. Jones, what are some things we should be thinking about regarding co-ops or state organizations um, or less structured social groups? Okay. I'll start with state organizations. Um, first of all, check with your state uh, to see if it has one. That's one thing you can find on our site, hslda.org. Uh, there's a tab for community and you can find organizations there. Some of them have memberships. Some of them have Facebook pages. For example, here in Virginia where I am, there is an incredibly active Facebook page that is basically new homeschoolers coming and saying, I need help with this. Mm -hmm. And they just get piles bet, of yeah. <laughs> really excellent advice, both from the state organization and from other mm, homeschoolers. Sure, okay. So that can be helpful. Um, but if that organization has like a political email list or something, make sure to sign up for that so that you can keep track of what the law in your state uh, any changes on the law in your state. That's important to keep track of. Okay, yeah. As far as for local groups, here are some things just to kind of think about. Number one, think about what your kids need for this year. And that may change from year to year. Back when our older kids were just kind of in third and fourth grade, we were starting off homeschooling, and we had two younger ones who were basically preschool, kindergarten age. We were looking for a co-op that would do classes for the elementary school and then have a nursery where moms could kind of rotate around for the younger ones. Well, now my oldest is 20 and my younger is 12. That's not what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, the last co-op that we were involved with, the hangout co-op that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. that was basically the kids just needed to go and have a place to blow off steam with other homeschool friends. That was really what it was for. So, for example, my wife is a freelance writer, so she was the one who was doing the writing workshops. And she had a creative table. Kids could come by and she would help them design a haiku or write a poem 
or do a paragraph of description using three adjectives or something like that. <laughs> I am a history nut, and so I gave classes on ancient battles and modern battles. I did ancient because I was interested in it, and then the kids said, yeah, but we want stuff with tanks and airplanes, so we did 20th century battles. And my rule was, if you're in the classroom, you have to be paying attention. I did not require them to be quiet, and I didn't require them to sit. They just had to be paying attention. They also didn't have to stay. And so I had usually three or four students who were fascinated and sat there the entire hour and would help me like act out some of the stuff. And then I had some of the younger ones who would come in, look at the interesting pictures of the airplanes, fly around for a few minutes, and then go off and run around the gym. And that was great. And I've talked with co-op leaders who that would never fly at theirs. So look for one that fits your family's needs and interests. There are some here in Virginia that focus uh, very heavily, for example, on Latin, because for one thing, we're near Christendom College. So a lot of families really want to know Latin, and they win state competitions all the time when it comes to the Latin competitions. There are others that, I mean, they're really a private school, and they focus on college prep, really. So yes, you're doing some homeschooling, but your kids go to this co-op twice a week, and they are coming home with tons of homework. Yeah. And all the kids who go through there get full-ride scholarships to colleges, it seems. Wow. I mean, that's at least my impression as an outsider. So you know, look for one that fits... One thing that I tell group leaders when they call me, I tell them, figure out what type of group you want to be and then be that group and then design your policies to be that group and put your policies up so that people can read, for example, your code of conduct and dress code and see, is this going to be a group sure. that works with my family? You know, my family is kind of more the, the loosey-goosey type. We don't do the private cottage school types. Some of the other lawyers here in the office absolutely do. In fact, some of them teach at those ones. Yeah. So that would be my advice. Find what your kids need and what your family needs and then reevaluate every single year. Oh, sure. It's a one school year at a time and even sometimes smaller chunks than that. We just kind of continually evaluate. True. And I yeah. really like the suggestion to be upfront on the group leader side about here's who we are. Here's how we do this. So that people know what they're getting into. So often I hear about yes. an activity that people are enjoying and I think, oh, that could be great. But then it's hard for me to find out more information about what does this really mean for our family life? What what kind of impact is it going to have? So uh, that's great to be as communicative as much as we can put forth that people will be able to make a good decision about that so that they can participate well and contribute well themselves. That seems like one of those proactive measures that going back to the beginning, that's a good way to approach it for everybody. I started giving that advice to groups after I talked with a group, I think it was three years ago, that was splitting in half mm. because they had a mom's night out every month. And they'd done this for a couple of years. And at one, the, the most recent mom's night out, someone who was hosting in her home had brought out a couple bottles of whiskey and three bottles of good wine. Mm -hmm. And half the group thought, horrors we're a christian homeschool co-op what are you doing mm -hmm. and half of them thought finally we're getting some good drinks <laughs> after 18 months of soda at mom's night yeah. out oh no so i i told groups you, you need to think about things and what kind of group are you and then let people know 
what kind of group you want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Colby, we are all over the place, all over the world. Some of us, are children are in live online classes. Some of us are a mix of homeschool and online classes. Some of us are all homeschool. So we have this variance, but then we are also living. These are all such helpful suggestions for how to be contributing members of, of the Colby community and also the ones right here in our uh, municipalities and local communities. So this is all great. I would love to get your perspective on how we can involve dads in homeschool life. You've made the rounds in your own educational experience and you've brought all that to your the family that you have raised and are raising. What would you say to dads and moms listening about involving dads in homeschool life? Okay, this is actually one that I give a whole like hour long workshop yeah. on at some homeschool <laughs> conferences, but to condense, um, dads get involved in homeschooling because it is so much fun. That's for the dads who like fun stuff. Then if you have the dads who want some other motivation, fathers, raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Dads, don't you want to pass on your knowledge to your children? So there's a number of different motivations, but mine has always been, I'm a teacher at heart. I love teaching. And so homeschooling is great. However, it didn't start that way. Back when my wife and I were first married, there was a a guy working here at HSLDA who would tell the story of how when his kids got to ninth grade, he got home and his wife said, if you want the kids to be homeschooled, you're going to have to do it because I've been doing this now nine years and I need a break. And so I always had kind of in the back of my head, oh yeah, you know, when my kids get to high school, I need to step up and help. I got home in the middle of sixth grade one night and my wife said, so I was researching Christian schools today because I'm done with homeschooling. Oh, okay. Well, it it came sooner than I expected. Mm -hmm. Had I actually been thinking instead of just kind of going along, I would have been way more involved from the beginning, but better late than never. So what this needs to be, though, I think is it has to be a team activity. It's basic marriage 101, communication. What is it that you and your wife want to do with homeschooling? What is it that you need and can do? What is it that she needs and can do? How do you work together? What do the kids need? Mm -hmm. So things like there was a family here at HSLDA. Mom got really sick. Dad did all the homeschooling for two years. I mean, like everything, because his wife just plain couldn't do it. Uh, Plus working full time. He was a busy man for those two years. My wife and I, we do team teaching. So on Saturdays, I sit down and I plan out the lesson plans for the coming week. I do it in one week chunks because that's what I like doing it. Some people say they do it in two week or, you know, one month chunks. I'm also the one who does the planning uh, and the book buying for the year. So I'm the one who knows what's coming in the packages that are coming in all through July and August. (laughs) And I'm the one who puts the books out on the bookshelf because I like planning and I like beginnings. Mm -hmm. That's the way that our family works best. Now, when it comes to actually doing stuff during the school year, each week by week, I do some when I get home at night, I will usually do one to two classes with each kid. So I'll do math with this one, and I'll do history with this one, and we'll sit down and read some science with this one, and then maybe we'll read a book together as a family. And my wife is the one who is 
Now, our family is not a morning family. We get our school started about 1130 in the morning okay. or maybe noon, <laughs> which means kids are sometimes still doing school when I go to bed at 1030. Mm-hmm. That's just the way our household operates best. Yeah. But Sarah is the one who is reminding the kids, you have to do this. And she's sitting down and doing the writing because she's a really good writer with mm-hmm. them. And But we do it as a team. And both of us have full authority to make changes. If I do the plan, Sarah can change that plan on Wednesday if it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And if Sarah says, well, you know, I I think that we need to aim this way and we get two weeks into it and just plan isn't working. I can say, you know what? This is not working. Let's try something. Some families have a much more kind of hierarchical structure then work with that. Sarah and I do teams for everything. But as far as ideas, actually, if your listeners wanted to email me, the group services at hslda.org that you're going to be putting in the notes, just ask for my dad's handout. And I've got like 15 or 20 ideas of stuff that dads can do to help in the homeschooling program. I've actually got the shorter book of blessings on on my shelf here in my office. There's a really good one there for the beginning of a school year. And so if you've got that, you know, as I'll bet a bunch of your families probably do, it doesn't take a priest or a deacon. It's a blessing that can be done as a family. And so we do that one as a family at the beginning of each year. And do the the prayers and associated readings with it. That's something that dads can do to kick off the year and maybe they won't do anything else, but the kids know at this point, dad's got some spiritual investment here. This is important to him. It might be things like leading devotions. If some families, dads lead devotions, sometimes moms do, you know, whatever works for your family. Sometimes it's doing things like taking the kids for nature walks on the weekends There are some dads who love walking in the woods. I am not one of them. Uh, I will read all the day long to the kids. My wife doesn't like that part of it. Going outside, no. Thanks anyway. Some dads, though, this is the way that they help homeschool. Some of them, it's teaching their kids a practical trade Mm -hmm. or helping them set up a business as a teenager. Anyway, lots of ideas. I think working together as a husband and wife team to homeschool is good for the husband and wife. It's good for the household and it's good for the kids. Absolutely. I so agree. Uh, my husband teaches the math here and I'm so grateful for that. And I think for the kids, to them, you are speaking volumes by your service. I think that's a wonderful example to, to set for the family and for them to carry with them into their lives as adults. I do too. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation here. I thought that we were coming at it from our due diligence perspective, like make sure we tend to these things along with making sure everybody's got their headsets and pencils and paper and everything. So much more you've offered us here today. And what a depth of richness about the way to participate in groups and things to consider with groups, along with so many other helpful considerations for us to keep in mind. Thank you so much, Mr. Jones. I really appreciate your time today. You are really welcome. I'm glad that I got to visit with you. And uh, again, in case people can't tell, I'm a real fan of homeschooling. I think it works really well for families. And so for those who are thinking, you know, is this for us? Maybe just dipping your toes in. Give it a try. It really works well. 
Well, your encouragement and enthusiasm is so inspiring. So we'll take that with us here into our school year. We'll be sure to list these resources, the, the web links and email addresses in our show notes. So be sure to check that out. And we really appreciate it. Thanks so much again. You're very welcome. Have a wonderful day. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.